this episode, I welcome Andrea, CEO and founder of Paracana Foods, makers of Zen Zingers. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host, Marge, and I just want to say thank you for being here, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Now, you may be thinking, why does Zen Zinger sound familiar? And it could be because you've seen it in your local dispensary on the store shelves, or maybe you remember me doing an episode on them, I think it was last summer. I was so impressed with the product when I made them last summer that I had to have Andrea on the show to talk about them. And if you need me to jog your memory, Zen Zingers are a DIY candy making kit, sorry, gummy making kit that you buy that has everything you need except the cannabis infusion. You will buy or make that separately and add it in yourself so you can perfectly dose the gummies to exactly your preferred potency level. They come in a variety of flavors. They're so easy to make. You don't have to have any skills in the kitchen to be able to pull these off. And we all know that gummies can be one of the trickiest edibles to make. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Andrea of Zen Zingers. Enjoy. All right. I am joined today by Andrea and she is from Paracana Cannabis. Is that correct? Did I say that right? Uh, Paracana Foods. Paracana Foods. And I would yeah. like it, Andrea, if you could tell me a little bit about yourself before we get started. All right. Um, I think that, you know, the sort of relevant bits about myself in this context are are just that, you know, I have this background in, um, first of all, in science, uh, and then also in um, uh, design and product development and web development and marketing, which is... Um, you know, leads me to have a very curious mind and then also be dangerous enough to um, be able to execute on um, fantastic ideas that I have. So, you know, um, and and I do. And I, I think I ha- probably have a bit of a higher risk threshold than other people as yes. well. <laughs> so, you know, you could argue that it gets me into a bit of trouble or you could say that it, it helps me have a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of people who have great ideas, but then the execution part's always, always the thing, right? It's getting something off the ground. Ideas are, you know, they come along often, but yeah, the execution's always key. Now, are you yeah. a cannabis user yourself? Um, I do. I, 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 when I was a kid, of course, I used it more recreationally. Um, as I came, I came back to it as an adult. It was more um, to do with. Um, the encroachment of stress into my sleep. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I really wanted to, um, to, to get a better sleep and, and, and speaking with a friend who was outlining her strategy of taking a square of, uh, you know, cannabis infused chocolate in the hot tub at night before bed and, you know, raving about, how it's revolutionized your sleep. So I just went out and got one the same day and, um, and, and that's sort of where it, where it stemmed from. And, and, and for me, anecdotally and not making any health claims, right. <laughs> um, it's been really, really super effective at that. So, um, so that's really what, what reintroduced me into the world of cannabis, um, among other things. Right. And I find that I hear that quite a bit. That's a very common story because I myself used a lot of cannabis when I was a teenager and, and young adult. And then I kind of went away from it for a long time and then came back to it again and found it was excellent for stress relief. I mean, a lot of people like the glass of wine in the evening and I've done that a lot too, but cannabis, there's never a hangover and you always feel good the next day. So it's sort of, 
a no brainer, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is are edibles your preferred method of ingestion then currently? Yes. Um, smoking for me is it's just too um, too stinky for me. Right. Like it's and, and and it's you know your fingers, your everything. It's 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 messy and it doesn't have the kind of effect that I'm looking for really because it's more of a uh, intense short term effect. And so, um, I kind of have things dialed in right now. Sometimes I'll vape, um, because it's, you know, cleaner and, and easier to sort of control. Um, but again, it's usually always around the same sort of, um, looking for the same outcome. So it's, it, it's that, like you say, replacing that glass of wine or, or enhancing that glass. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whichever way you prefer. Um, and I, I like the edibles too, because they're very discreet. Like you said, like you yeah. mentioned, your friend can just pop that little piece of chocolate while sitting in the hot tub and yeah. the effects do last a lot longer. So yeah. I do like that about edibles a lot as well, though I do vape too, because again, it is clean and I can get away with doing that in my house. Whereas if I smoke a yeah. joint, uh, I definitely have to go outside for that. <laughs> yeah. And then it's not yeah. real. I don't feel that discreet. And I'm like, how many of my neighbors can smell what I'm doing right now? Because our houses are pretty close together. So I'm always they wondering know. about that. Oh, I know they know. Yeah. <laughs> I like to pretend that they don't. But um, so if you've been using edibles for a while, have you ever had a bad experience with them? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of a funny story. Yeah. I don't telling it all. Um, it was that very day when that, when that friend told me about um, <laughs> her experiences, I immediately went out and like, hell yeah, I'm in. I went out and got a chocolate bar and then my partner and I were like, yeah, okay, we'll take a square. We're going to watch a movie, blah, blah, blah. He wanted to watch Saving Private Ryan, which was like, oh, wow. why? That's intense. Why, <laughs> why would you want to watch that in the first place? But um, anyway, so we each took a square and at uh, that time it was still the gray market. So um, the dosing was all over the place, um, and one square was way too much. Right. <laughs> and so you know, we started off cuddling on the couch, and then as things sort of started to kick in, we just got further and further away from each other. <laughs> you know, started sort of turning away from this hor horrific violence that was on right. the screen, and the whole thing just kind of you know it had to just wrap up way to turn it off and like go to bed go hang out ourselves for a little while. Yeah. yeah Save It Private Ryan would be a pretty intense movie to watch like yeah, when you're sober, good. let alone when you're yeah. too high. Yeah. And it's funny, actually. I mean, I, I'm sure that you ask this question all the time, but I, I love whenever we're at a, a conference or, you know, cause we, and we do a lot of grocery conferences. So um, people, that's what they want to share every time they walk up, they want to, first of all, share their, their funny dosing story where, you know, this happened or that happened. So it's kind of a bonding thing. Yes, I think it is, you know, happens to most people. Um, you just have to get through it. Yes. Because I think anybody who's eaten edibles for any length of time, especially pre-legalization, I've had that experience of, oh shit, I've taken too much. <laughs> and by that point, it's way too late. Once you've had that realization, you're like, I'm in for a ride. So yeah. <laughs> it is yeah, a, definitely it. a bonding thing. Um, <laughs> now, your company, Paracana Foods, creates this product called Zen Zingers, and I have reviewed them on this very podcast. So people yeah. should be pretty familiar with them. And I think they're fantastic. And I was just hoping you could Thank tell you. people exactly what they are. And yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the... Um, it's really ultimately um, 
a mix, a, a dry mix for making your own gummies. Um, the kits have a mold and a dropper for, you know, for, for, for setting them um, and some finishing sugar and instructions. But really, it, you know, it comes down to having that mix that's actually formulated to make a gummy and it's not, you know, jello or whatever. So it, it has the consistency and texture of, of a real gummy. And, um, and really, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a product that's, um, you know, designed to, to give you control, to give people the ultimate control over their experience. And that doesn't mean that you won't, um, run into dosing issues, but it should be, um, a lot, a lot easier to, um, to control and to keep yourself safe. And, and a lot of our clients are, um, are elderly or in the, uh, in the higher age range. So safety and, and, and that is much, much more, um, important to them. Um, so, so it really allows, allows them to, uh, be in control of that whole experience. So they know, what's on the counter next to it when it's being made, it's not going to be some other type of drug or some bacterially unsafe um, condition. And, um, and then, and then they have their supply at the, um, the dose and the, you know, um, the character with the characteristics of the plant that they want in it. Right. And I really like that because the motto of my show is take control of your high life. And a lot of people like to make their own edibles because you control what's going into them that dosing, you're not just going to a store and being like, well, this is what's available. So this is what I can have. Right. So I really do exactly. like that. Um, so- and I feel like, I feel like pre-made edibles are also um, a place where people um, can put things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and by that, I just mean, you know, whatever came off the plant, whatever was trimmed off, whatever shape there is, um, you know, and that might mean um, a bunch of different types of strains or, or different types of plants. And I think, you know, sometimes that results in an inferior product. Right. And a lot of it too, on the legal market is uh, made with distillate. So it's been stripped of all the things that give, you know, the cannabis plant its characteristics, which means I find the high is quite a bit different as well. That full spectrum is just usually. Yeah. I I think that's, that's a, you know, really good part of it is that um, everybody has a different, um, some people just want straight THC. Mm -hmm. Sure. uh, um, In a distillate or some people want us, you know, try and work on a strain or they, you know, they want our, they want something full spectrum, like you say. So it gives them opportunity to make that, or they want something that's all organic, you know? Um, so it gives them that sort of choice to, to make those decisions. Right. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because there's very few organic edibles on the market right now that I've seen so far. There's a handful, a very small handful, but there's not that many. So people, if that's important to them, that's not something you're going to find too much in the legal market. But what gave you the idea to start this product in the first place? Well, actually, it's it's pretty easy to pinpoint because um, in our health authority, um, during the period of gray market edibles, um, our health authority decided that they were unsafe and banned them. So I know that's hard to follow. <laughs> They're banning something that's not legal. <laughs> right. They did, right? It was great market at that time. So, um, so people, um, like I had a really good friend who had a, a pretty serious illness and he was treating it, um, still is with cannabis. And the only other, um, effective, um, alternative that he had found was prednisone. So it really wasn't something that, um, was maintainable or sustainable. And so, 
um, he was actually ordering from Ontario uh, for edibles out here. And, um, and, and so it became, it came on my radar um, that people who really were, were relying on these products were now having sort of um, sourcing issues. And um, my neighbor actually at the time was a nurse and, um, and her friend was working in this great gray space as a nurse um, because they had to sort of vet people at the door um, to get a quote unquote membership. Right. So they, they all of a sudden were like, Hey, all these people are coming in. Like we want edibles and they can't get them. Let's make a, a cookbook. Well, I didn't really want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cookbooks are pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. But, but I couldn't stop my mind from, you know, the hamster wheel from spinning. And so it kind of ended up on this and I just, um, whipped together a couple of prototypes out of some nut cans and took them around to some of the um, the dispensaries that were operating at the time and just received a really positive response. They were like, yeah, we'll order it right away. We'll order, we'll order some right now. And I was like, well, I don't have any, <laughs> but, um, but I can make you some. So that's, you know, that's sort of where it, where it all came from. Um, once, once I had been to enough places and they were like, yeah, you know, we want this. And we actually had a dispensary that um, said, you know, you're welcome to come in and sort of set up a table and, and talk to our customers if you want. So, so I did that as well. And, um, and, you know, ask people, well, what would you pay for this? What would you, how would you use it? What, you know, what would it mean to you sort of thing? And just got a lot of uh, information, a lot of positive feedback. And so that's what, um, that's, those were the green lights. Right. That'd be excellent market research to be able to set up in a store and ask people, customers directly what they wanted. Now you did kind of touch on this already, like why the DIY gummy making kit makes sense to control your dosing and all the factors going into it. But why did you go that route and not the route of just bringing a gummy to the market that was, you know, properly dosed and organic or all those different factors? Well, at the time, edibles still weren't legal. And, and it was interesting because we, I held off on bringing the product to market really, um, you know, with a serious effort into the gray market because I knew all those dispensaries were going to change, you know, turn over into something else. So all that sales effort, you know, would possibly have been, you know, for nothing mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, we did go into some of them, but the real sales push came after legalization when people knew where they stood. And by that point, um, you know, I was really lucky to get involved with the, um, BC, uh, food processors association, and they put on a lot of, um, edibles workshops and, um, and seminars with, um, industry people and, um, it became really evident that it was going to be a very, very difficult path um, where you had the potential to lose a lot of money. Right. <laughs> right? So um, just to, even around the licensing um, side of things. So, so we all know the stories now. So many people wanted to get a grower's license mm-hmm. and, and stood in line holding, holding their, their money ransom, you know, they're needing to have QA professionals assigned and, you know, spaces and stuff before a year before they're, you know, finding out whether they get, get uh, a license or not. So a lot of, there was just, it was just so tumultuous and there was just so much uh, potential for um, a negative outcome. Mm -hmm. 
having the kits, um, you know, having sort of explored the um, market response to it in advance and, and having so many green lights and, and, um, and touching, touching base with those customers and hearing their stories. It was a, an easier way to go forward without having to deal with all of the regulation and all of the licensing and all of the hard cash you have to come up with upfront to do anything with that. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 And a lot of, a lot of the companies that we, um, interface with early on, you know, LPs and stuff like that, they're gone now. Right. So, (laughs) so, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have been successful and I'm not saying that it's not something that couldn't happen in the future as well, but, um, it was hard enough, um, just being a cannabis adjacent product, Mm -hmm. let alone being one that actually has cannabis in the product. Yeah. And I've always heard too, especially when it comes to the edibles, that once you're getting into an edible consumer packaged good, that's a double regulated industry because you're regulated with the cannabis industry and then you're regulated by the food industry. And there's so much regulation for each of those individually. And then together, that sounds like a nightmare. So I can understand that was a pretty (laughs) smart move on your part to go that direction. Um, What's kept you motivated to push through which has probably still been an incredibly challenging process. Yeah. I mean, it, I have, it's really, it's fun. It's been really fun. And I feel like um, that has a lot to do with the customers. Um, I end up on the phone or emailing with people daily um, and they love to share their stories and they're really enthusiastic about the product. So it, um, it really kind of gets under your skin and becomes, um, pleasant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes like uh, something that you enjoy doing. So, um, and, and people, you know, and also it's like the packaging and the branding really resonates with people. So they get excited about it. And it, I don't know, it just, it has such a good feeling around it that it, um, it's not, um, it's not like work. Right. <laughs> well, at any time, you know, you're getting that feedback from people that your product yeah. is helping somebody. I mean, that's, yeah. that would definitely be motivating. Yeah, but for sure. What's been your biggest challenge to date then? Yeah, that's been funding. Right. Um, you know, really, um, I can't tell you how much time I have wasted um, trying to access funding. Um, and what ends up happening is that you go through all of the motions before they say, oh, no, you're cannabis adjacent. We won't, we don't deal with cannabis adjacent companies. And that's, you know, government, government um, funding, bank funding, anything like that, which is a bit surprising, because we've legalized it. So the banking stuff, we all kind of know why they have, um, you know, deep relationships with the United States, and they don't want, um, you know, to be in that business or to, to be involved in any of that kind of risk. The government, on the other hand, is sort of like a bit more difficult to understand um, in the sense that you you did this, um, you made it legal. Now you're blocking the small people, um, the small enterprises, you know, the small entrepreneurs from accessing this market that you've created and and really kind of ruled it off just to the big guys. And so, um, and, and, you know, and even the banks, when they did start opening up to some of this, it was only to deal with 
the big guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was frustrating. It was very, um, um, very much a, an exercise in chasing your own tail. And so I wasn't thrilled with that. Right. No <laughs> doubt. Is it still pretty tricky to get funding from both public and private sources? Like, I'm surprised um, to hear that. The, I mean, maybe not about the banks because of your, you mentioned the relationships with U.S. companies and they're not federally legal yet. But yeah, I'm so really surprised to hear that. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is um, there, there are so many initiatives for um, women entrepreneurs and, and the government really wants uh, female entrepreneurs to, um, you know, get out there and, and, and participate. So um I just felt like in so many ways they didn't put their money where the mouth was um, on, on a lot of different levels. But at the same time, I did find um, a, a local um, bank that was willing to support me and, um, and has earned my loyalty. Oh, well, I can imagine they have. <laughs> yeah. Um, and really worked, really worked with me as, you know, the best they could. Right. So I, I did end up, we did end up bootstrapping it. And, and, and in retrospect, it was very difficult. It really uh, limited how quickly we could grow. But it ultimately, you know, we are coast to coast to coast in Canada and, and making our way through the States. So it's, um, it's, it's there. It's just, um, it just took a lot longer. Right. Well, I'm very happy to hear that because honestly, I think the market needs a lot more of the smaller players because it's filled like probably in the States as well with, company, huge companies and conglomerates that, you know, they can bring a certain product to the market, but the more interesting stuff always seems to come from the smaller companies. And that's what I love to support myself. So now how many versions of this gummy did you have to create (laughs) in order to get to the final product? I have a log book. That's how it had to go. Right. Um, trying this, trying this quantity of this, trying this quantity of this, trying that, and just um, really honing it and refining it and refining it until, um, until I ended up on something that I was happy with. And, and sometimes, I mean, even not very long ago, I even re um, recreated those experiments just to make sure that I hadn't changed my mind. And it's, and it's really funny how, um, you know, you're talking about adding a gram extra of this or a gram extra of that or taking it away. And um, I still come up with the same result. So it, so I, it did take a lot of experimentation. It did take a lot of versions, but it, you know, I'm confident with the end product and I get a lot of feedback from customers that, um, that they're happy with, with it as well. So I think, you know, it was worth it. Um, it was a bit of a challenge. I can't tell you how many gummy candies <laughs> have wound up in the compost. Right. But I can tell you that raccoons will not eat them. Oh, really? <laughs> now, are these infused gummies? You're, no. No. But the no, raccoons they, don't like them. They will not touch them. <laughs> oh, well, that's probably a good thing. You're not attracting all the raccoons to your yard. But, <laughs> um, now, gummies are pretty notorious for being difficult to make. I've made lots of gummies and you kind of mentioned this earlier about gummies that turn out like jello because I really hate that. I want my gummy to be like a gummy, but it is a process to make them well. So why would you choose gummies for a DIY kit versus something that might be easier? Um, I 
just felt like it was because it was a challenge it was going to be something that people needed more right if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um you know making a brownie um i i think there's a um there is a case for that um convenience is amazing and i also feel like um there are challenges around dosing in baking as well mm-hmm. that can be addressed um using some of the same methods that I did in the kit in the gummy kit. But ultimately I felt like the gummy candy was what people wanted, what people were struggling with in a re- in terms of recipe and, and technique. And so, and also I love gummies. Yeah. <laughs> I love a gummies little too. less now than I did before. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> I still, I still eat them. Um, so, so that's why I went that route. Right. Yeah. And that just makes sense too, because essentially if somebody really wanted to, they could go to the store and buy like a brownie mix and just add their infused oil or whatever. But gummies yeah. are trickier to make. And they were, when I made them, they were so simple. I was very impressed at how simple it was. So you don't have to know really anything about cooking as long as you can like put some stuff in a pot. <laughs> yeah. Then you I can mean, do this. That's, that's why um, I designed it to be sort of more time-based. I don't want people having to get a candy thermometer and, you know, and, and, and then have to invest in things like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's gotta be really like one of the brand promises that anything that um, we put out, there's gotta be under 10 minutes in the kitchen because otherwise it's not convenient. Right. Yeah. Right. Otherwise you're not solving the problem. No, no. And you do solve the problem with not only like the time, because they're so simple. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Can you leave that please? There we go. I think she's done. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but they like they're quick to make, but then they're also um, cost effective because in my dispensary, it can cost, you know, some of them are up to almost $10 for a and infused edible. And that's, yeah. that's a lot of money to spend, yeah. especially if you're it using is. them on a regular basis. So yeah, now exactly. And if you're, and if you're using it, um, yeah, if you're using it um, daily, like you say, um, it can just get so out of control. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's yeah. so great about these. Now, do you have a favorite flavor? There's a bunch of flavors. I'm still. Uh, it changes. Um, it changes depending on if we're bringing out a new flavor. I'm always on to the new flavor, and I feel like cola is some kind of magic because I so good. It is so good. I realize before uh, going for the cola flavor that cola is cinnamon and vanilla. Oh, um, I didn't did, know that. Okay. It's crazy, isn't yes. it? But, and so that, um, that flavor formulation that we came up with, it almost tastes carbonated. Like there's something about it that's just so cola. I really enjoy it. But I think at the end of the day, my favorite always kinds of kind of comes back to our flagship, which was raspberry. Okay. I haven't tried that one yet. I'll have to try that one next. My last batch, I did half mango, half raspberry. So I filled it up halfway with mango and then the other half with raspberry. Right. That was kind of fun. Now, do you have like a preferred way to infuse them? Because I tried it a couple of different ways when I did it. And I found, I think I used the second time MCT oil, possibly I'm trying to recall, but I found that the other method I used was a lot better. Yeah, it, um, it really depends. I mean, it depends on what you have available, right? So concentrates are always 
going to make a better product because you're putting less in. And the MCT oil or coconut oil, um, you know, they're they're great. Um, they're great for putting under the tongue, and they're and they're they are great in the product, but it can only go so far because there's so much oil there and the yes. gummies are so small that you can't, um, you can't emulsify those two elements together beyond a certain point. So um, we recommend no more than three teaspoons of oil. So if your um, oil, you know, you're, you really need an oil that's at the max, which is like 30 milli- milligrams per milliliter, right? So that's going to create the best product, but then you're still, um, you're not going to get the strongest edible in the world, depending on, you know, what you're aiming for. You might have to eat two or three or something like that. Um, so really when you're using concentrates, um, it you can make a stronger profile if that's what you're looking for and then of course because there's a variety of different concentrates you can um sort of choose again that profile that you're looking for if you want more if you if you're just looking for thc you can use this litter if you want a more full spectrum thing you can choose something else so um what did you use the first time I used a concentrate I, I don't know if you're familiar with original stash they came out with these click pens Oh, right. And it was a dosing pen. You just clicked it. And that's what I used the first time. And it it worked excellent. So that's basically right in line with what you're saying. The MCT oil, I don't remember how much I added in, but it just didn't emulsify the same way. And whereas the concentrate did. So that makes a lot of sense to me that that's a preferred way to do it. There is um, soy lecithin in the the product, which is, um, you know, emulsifier. Mm -hmm. So it is to help the oil bind, um, into the product. But again, like it can only do so much because it's a five milliliter gummy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I was just going to ask something about that too. And I think it just left my brain. So I might just have to, <laughs> I might just have to leave that one for another minute, but yeah, the concentrates are definitely, I would recommend people use those too. I guess it was also, I do find though that sometimes making them like um, a moderate dose for me, because I like it. If I can maybe one night, if I'm feeling one way, I can have one gummy or two or three, depending on how I'm feeling or the situation I'm in. So I I do like to be able to do that too, but that's how people dose their own stuff. And that's the beauty of this product because you can dose it however you want. Exactly. Um, do you have any advice of people who might want to get into the edibles business? Some, uh, you know, I think that getting into the edibles business is really all about doing everything before you do anything, right? You know, and and I I know that a lot of people have who who have gone down the licensing avenue have started um, on their own, and then um, after several delays or things like that, have gone back to um, get involved or, um, get the help of a a consultant, you know, because our licensing consultants, um, and anecdotally, a lot of what I've heard is that they wish they'd done that from the beginning, even though it's costly, it, um, it can really mitigate the risk and the amount of, unexpected costs. <laughs> and I'm sure that when you make mistakes, which are inevitable when you're starting anything new, those are also costly. So at the end of the day, sure. consultants yeah. can help 
facilitate. I'm sure they've seen it all already, right? So they know. That's it. Yeah, yeah they've, they've been down, at a, down that path a million times. So they're not going to make a silly mistake that's going to get their application kicked to the end of the line kind right. of thing. Um, so, so really it is about, um, doing all your research, interviewing as many people as you can, knowing all the risks and, and regulatory, um, um, items up front, um, before, before anything. Right. Well, that's good advice. I appreciate that comment too, because I've had some people just tell me flat out, don't do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, well, lots I of opinions. Yeah. yeah, I think you have, I mean, the way it's set up, you got to have quite a bit of money yeah. to do it yeah. and expertise. And so um, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. So once you <laughs> go down that path, you have to be prepared for the, for the long haul, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Now, how many flavors of Zen Zingers are there right now? Right now there are six. Okay. There is a righteous raspberry, cherry bomb, um, mega mango, cosmic cola, Pandemic peach, because, <laughs> <that>. um, <laughs> um, for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, and and that was that is possibly one of my favorites, just because of the name. I, and I remember when I thought of it, I, I just I called up. I think I called my parents. Actually, I was like, "What do you think of this? Is it too cheeky?" <laughs> and they were like, "No, it's awesome." So, pandemic peach and and punchy pink grapefruit. Okay. And I know like the kits, like you said, come with the molds and the dropper and everything you need to make them, but you also have refill kits. So if you already have the molds, you don't have to keep rebuying everything. So that's fantastic. Where can people find Zenzingers? Right now, um, they're, they're, um, pretty widely spread in Canada. So even up in the territories on the East Coast, we have a lot there, obviously a ton in Ontario um, through our distribution partners. Um, so just call, you can just call up your local um, uh, dispensary or, um, uh, you know, glass shop or head shop, uh, smoke shop, all those kinds of venues, or they're available online as well at paracanada.com. And you ship to the States as well? Yep. ship to the states so they're available yep. can in the United states are they do you ship worldwide yep Perfect. um there are a few, there are a few countries that um we have blocked just because um you know they they're more scripts coming out of those countries and attacking the website than anything else right yeah um yeah. but yeah we ship worldwide we've we've shipped almost everywhere today even to the to the north pole oh really santa oh, claus yep. is getting high i love it <laughs> <laughs> and to uh, and to and to Chile and Argentina, so it's kind of like um, you know, it's it's always fun to see um, a new country come come through yeah. um, our commerce. Uh, but but we've covered a lot of ground so far, and and in terms of um, the United States, we are um, working with um, a large distributor down there now. So um, we're we're getting into those markets, and um, hopefully, it'll be um, you know. Uh, somewhere near near anybody listening soon perfect i love i love it <laughs> but they can also always ask um their dispensary to to bring it in right yes yeah yes um do you have what are your future plans for yourself or for the company um you know it's 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 still on a, a really good trajectory and and growing so um that's exciting we're working actually with some um potential distribution in mexico now as well um so you know it was never a company that was built to keep um you know so it's 
so it's uh, uh, always potentially for sale, um, but it's a super fun business. And as long as those green lights are still there and people are finding value and, um, and, and we're growing, then, then I'm happy. I'm happy working on it. So, um, so it's, it's, it's just forward onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. I love it. So that you heard it here first, folks. I want to say thank you, Andrea, so much for your time today for joining me on Bite Me the Show About Edibles. And I hope that everyone listening will check out Zen Zingers and consider trying them out themselves because I think they'll be pretty impressed by your product. Wonderful. Thanks so yeah. much for reaching out. It was really great to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, you too. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Andrea is fantastic, and I really appreciate her time to join us on Bite Me, the show about edibles. You'll find all the links in the show notes as usual, so you can always head over there to find out more about Paracana Foods and Zen Zingers and where to buy them. And if you have any other questions or feedback or comments about this episode or any other one, never hesitate to reach out to me. You know where to find me. And until next week, my friends, stay high.